Today's episode of The Overwhelmed Brain is brought to you by one of my favorite healthy snacks, RX Bar. Get 25% off your first order by visiting rxbar.com forward slash brain. Enter the promo code BRAIN at checkout to get the discount. Are you annoyed by affirmations? Are you tired of the same old, rehashed personal growth advice that all seems to boil down to Think positively and all your problems will go away. If affirmations feel like lies and positive thinking feels like denial, then I want you to get ready. The Overwhelmed Brain is here to help you create the life you want now. Hello and welcome to The Overwhelmed Brain. I am Paul Coliani, a personal empowerment coach, and this is the show where I read your questions and help you tackle life's toughest challenges. I want to help you increase your emotional intelligence, strengthen your self-worth and self-esteem, and empower you so that you can make decisions that are right for you. Everything I talk about on this show is my personal opinion and is meant for informational and educational purposes only. Always consult a medical or psychological professional before making any changes that could affect your physical or mental health. All right, what I want to talk about today is um, an interesting topic that I received an email on that I'll probably read the email at the end of the show because the topic is all about staying on the path to enlightenment. Now, before you run off thinking, oh, I don't want to hear this, <laughs> I want to help you understand at least my definition of enlightenment. And, you know, it really kind of matches up with empowerment. If I were to look at enlightenment, I would say that's also a path to empowerment as well. But let me just start off by saying my definition of enlightenment, which is different from empowerment, but uh, just for the sake of what I'm talking about today, enlightenment, again, my definition is when you are free uh, from resistance. I think when you free yourself from what you resist, it's a liberating feeling. It's like, huh, if I no longer resist these feelings I have or these thoughts that I have or what the world is and does, and I just accept that that's how things are and I can either accept those things the way they are or I can resist them. And that would create tension inside my body. I mean, some people look at enlightenment as complete bliss, complete Zen. And I get that and I don't disagree with it. But I like to look at enlightenment as a journey instead of a destination. So I believe when you are on the path of eliminating resistance or tension in your body, and this is like your emotions, your thoughts, your feelings... When you are able to eliminate those, then you are more enlightened than you were. And this enlightenment continues. So I do like to equate with empowerment. Empowerment seems to me to be a more grounded term. When you're empowered, then you can take action and you can make decisions that are right for you. When you're enlightened, it's like you're wiser in the world. And enlightenment can lead to being empowered. So I'm not going to talk about semantics and the meaning of either, but I am addressing enlightenment because it was asked in an email uh, in reference to something that this person was going through of I'm trying to stay on the path of enlightenment. 
So if you have another version of enlightenment or definition of enlightenment, I honor that. I am not saying anything against that. I'm just sharing with you, if I were to go on a journey of enlightenment, this is the journey I would take. So maybe you might want to adopt this or maybe not. But I really like the idea of enlightenment being feeling free from resistance and tension. So what is resistance? What is tension in the body? I, I look at it as any past traumas that are still unresolved and unhealed in you. Anything that uh, comes up today that triggers you emotionally, that uh, creates some sort of angst or upset in you, when someone says something that uh, you don't like, or someone says something to put you down, criticize you, what does that do inside your body? You can feel it. I mean, I feel it. Sometimes I'll read a negative review of this show, and I'll get that twang, that, what do they call it, that uh, feeling, that, ouch, that, that smarts, or like a thorn in my heart. It's like, oh, that hurt. All the effort I put into this, and then someone gives a negative review, and I look at that, and I go, okay, is there any truth to this? And now I have to process it and read it. And I think that's how a lot of us are built. I'm not saying everyone, because some people can handle it. And I can handle criticism, absolutely. Because I end up reading it on the show and processing it pretty much on the fly, so I can make sure that I'm not repressing it. Because you don't want to repress criticism. You don't want to repress it and go, oh, that hurts so much. I'm just going to hold it in and let it damage my self-worth and self-esteem. Because that's what criticism does, right? Somebody puts us down, and if we don't express ourselves and go, hey, that's not right. You disrespected me. Or, hey, let's talk about that. What you just said may have some truth to it, and I need to learn something about myself. How often do we do that? <laughs> but when we can do that, I believe that's an enlightened perspective. So, like I was saying, I'll read a critical review of my show. It doesn't happen often, but when it happens, I'll go, ouch, oh, what is this? Because you're going along, everything's fine, and then somebody says something that you really pay attention to because it's about you. This is about you, and I'm pointing something out that you need to address or that is a flaw that I can perceive in you. This happens. So this is what I'm saying about the everyday um, common triggers that may come up for us that trigger an upset in us in some way. And this creates the tension that I'm talking about, the resistance. Like, I want to resist feeling this way, which feeds into feeling that way. <laughs> I'll explain that. Uh, when you feel angry and you don't want to feel angry, you actually give energy to the anger. And it may not be more anger, it may be something else that's negative, but it's usually more of something. So if I'm feeling sad, and I don't want to feel sad, so I resist feeling sad by putting on a happy face, by doing my job and trying to pretend it's not there, then I will give more energy to that sadness because I have repressed it and not let it go. I like to look at it as the emotional pressure cooker. You are allowing emotions to get more and more pressurized so that they explode in damaging ways later. And it could be 
it's something that somebody says that you just, oh, you, you lose it because the pressure is too much. Uh, it adds more negativity and then you can't take the pressure anymore. It has to come out. So it will come out. It'll either come out in a nervous breakdown or it'll come out in tears or screaming or fighting or worse. And now you have to deal with it then because you hadn't dealt with it yet. You repressed it. So this repression is resistance in the body. If you're going to look at it in any way, maybe a holistic perspective might help to think that when there's no resistance in your body, you feel free-flowing. You can access your emotions easily. You can access anger easily. You can access happiness easily. There's no resistance. That's how I see an enlightened path, an enlightened journey, when the resistance is taken out of your body and you don't feel that anymore and everything is free-flowing. Because accessing anger can be a very healthy thing. Accessing feeling sad, accessing a lot of negative emotions can be very healthy. Even guilt can be healthy because it can lead to a productive path that um, changes things for the better. But when we hold on to the guilt or when we hold on to the anger, that's when the pressure builds. That's when the resistance builds. And we, of course, we exacerbate that resistance by putting on that false front to the world. And then we tell the world, I'm okay, and we feel this other way inside. I went for many years feeling sad underneath my happiness. It may sound weird to some people, but I bet other people listening right now can relate to that. I feel happy and this sadness underneath. I picture a, an emotional river underneath the ground. Like there's water flowing under there. But if this emotional river contains sadness and anger and despair and all those other emotions, that's always there until you're able to let it out or express it or process it and release it. Everything I'm talking about has to do with the pressure, the tension, and the resistance inside of you when you hold down negative emotions. And where I'm going with this today is I want to help you if you want, I don't want to force you, I would like you to be on a path of empowerment, of enlightenment, so that you can release this pressure. Imagine what that would be like, just for a moment. Let's just take one moment and imagine what it would be like if you had no pressure, no resistance, no tension in your body. I mean, I could breathe easily when I think of that. No tension. Where is it? It's gone. It's, it's out. Where did it go? It doesn't matter. Because in this moment, we can imagine what that might feel like. And maybe if you can do this on the fly when I just say, hey, let's just imagine it, maybe you can do it again to help you later if you're feeling tension. So if you still feel tension after that little exercise, don't worry. That's normal. That's common because it's sometimes hard to release and relieve yourself of many, many years or decades of tension. So the path to enlightenment is to be free of this. And when you're free of this, you're free to make decisions easier. You're free to trust your instincts and trust your inner guidance, your subconscious mind. You're free to choose for yourself and not be motivated by fear. Because that's the big thing. 
when we have this pressure and this resistance and this tension in our body, we make decisions from that place. We are motivated by the negativity inside our body. When we come back, what I want to do is give you some steps to start on the path of enlightenment so that we can help release this uh, tension. And we'll also get a little bit more into resistance and how that forms and builds and stays in our body. Be right back after this. often do you hear the term nutritious and delicious in the same sentence? Seriously, all the time, right? <laughs> it's all marketing. But how often is it true? I'm having a food love affair with my RX bars, the nutritious and delicious whole food protein bars that really do the job between meals. And I've also used it as a replacement for breakfast when I just didn't have the time to make anything as I walk out the door. I'm not saying you're supposed to do that. I don't think you should skip breakfast, but sometimes in a hurry, it's better to have something healthy in your stomach than nothing at all. RX bars are just what you need for that on-the-go snack. No fillers, no additives, no chemicals, and no added sugars. I used to eat other snack bars that were more like candy. They had a bunch of nuts and cranberries stuck together with some sort of sugary glue that always made me think of eating particle board. But the RX bar isn't like that. They've really condensed a ton of healthy food into one delicious and filling bar. I like to take it with me and take a bite or two whenever I need it. It satisfies my stomach and taste buds. I want you to check these bars out. Go to rxbar.com forward slash brain and enter the promo code brain at checkout and you'll get 25% off your first order. That's a great savings and a perfect way to try out the different flavors they have like I don't know, chocolate sea salt, gingerbread, pumpkin spice, blueberry, coconut chocolate, chocolate chip, mixed berry, maple sea salt, and did I mention coconut chocolate? One of my favorites. They have all these flavors and more. Made with simple, real ingredients like egg whites, dates, and nuts, 100% real cocoa, coconut, and other natural ingredients. And they even have bars without nuts for those of you with allergies. You can choose from sweet, savory, chocolate, or fruit flavors. RX bars are also gluten-free, soy-free, and dairy-free. No artificial colors, no artificial flavors, no preservatives, and no fillers. Get 25% off your first order when you visit rxbar.com forward slash brain and use the promo code brain to get the discount. Breakfast on the go, snack at the office, throw in your bag for the plane ride, toss in your backpack for the bike ride, or just keep in your pocket to snack on when you need it most. All right, welcome back. Uh, to start this next segment, I want to talk about how to get on the path of enlightenment. But in order to get on the path, to start the path, you need to understand resistance and how it forms and how it stays in your body. So resistance is anything you didn't prefer existed. Probably a simple way to put it. Uh, it's wanting something to be different than it is. But 
not accepting that it will never be different. So you come to a resistance when you think that something won't change and you want it to change. Like, oh, the world economy won't change and I want it to change. So I feel this resistance to the way it is today. Or there's so much violence in the world and I want it to change. So I feel this resistance to the way it is. This is how resistance can form in your body. Resistance is also being attached to an outcome. We get attached to way too many things. And I'm not talking about like material things. I mean, we get attached to the idea that life has to work out a certain way or we'll be unhappy. We can become attached to a specific job and believe that that job is the only path to a fulfilling career. We can become attached to the need to be viewed by others in a certain way. And for those of you dealing with uh, social anxiety and fearing being judged by others, you are attached to how people perceive you. And so these attachments are really uh, something that holds us back in life. And we feel these resistances, which is pressure in our body. And those resistances are us in conflict with what is. For example, social anxiety. For those of you who experience social anxiety in the form of, I'm afraid to be looked at by people, judged by people, your anxiety is a resistance to what exists, what people do anyway. People judge us all the time. We judge others. It just happens. Our brain works this way. Some judge more harshly. Some judge covertly. It just is. And if you can let go of your resistance to what is, then you let go of the attachment you have to that resistance. So that puts you in a better space in situations where you, before where you would have become anxious. And not being anxious is letting go of your resistance to what is. Don't worry, I won't convolute the rest of the segment like this. <laughs> but I think you get it. I think having the ability to let go of these things, to let go of these attachments to what you want as opposed to what is, is really an enlightening process. It empowers you. What would happen if I let go of the resistance to people judging me and I just allowed it? That frees me. That liberates me. I feel so good when I do that. In fact, that was one of my parameters for making this show. Well, parameter is probably not the right word. Criteria, um, personal growth steps. When I created this show, or at least a few months later, when I started getting into it and figuring out how to continue doing the show in a way that was helpful to the world, I also wanted to be as vulnerable as possible by putting myself out there in every way to be judged. And so what I did was overexposed myself in the sense of, here's what's wrong with me. <laughs> I put myself out there and said, here's what's wrong with me, world. Judge me. And I've been doing this for four and a half years now, and no one has ever written to me and said, you're a bad person, you're weak, you're stupid, you're this, you're this. Now, I've gotten critical reviews of the show, yes, but no one's ever attacked me, which has proven that social anxiety, at least in the sense when you feel judgment from others, goes away when you let everyone know your faults. So, you know, am I right 100% of the time? Is this going to work 100% of the time? I'm not saying it does, but I'm telling you with the tens of thousands of people that I put myself in front of every week, 
and share my vulnerabilities, I get nothing but support. And that is a different feeling than not putting myself out there at all and trying to hide from the world and then assuming everyone's judging me and then cowering in fear by the judgments of others. Because one thing I've learned is that because we all judge and we all feel judged, people with anxieties about other people's judgments don't realize that half the people that they fear being judged by also fear being judged. And so there's this cycle that this person feels fear, this person feels fear, I feel fear. So let's all close up and be with each other so that we all feel anxious. When in my life, I didn't want that to happen. So I just put myself out there and said, you know, I don't want to feel anxious anymore. So I'm just going to let people judge me. And suddenly there's no judgment at all. That's the revelation is that when you put yourself out there, it's not the judgment you expect. Now, you're going to have toxic people. Yes, there are toxic people, family members, even some toxic friends, partners in romantic relationships that will judge you. So you will fear judgment from others. However, in my experience, because I've done this for so long, I've realized that that is the tiny minority of people that actually want to judge you because no one wants to throw stones in a glass house. Because as soon as you judge others, you open yourself up to being judged. And if you have anything going on in your life, that can be exposed. So most people don't want to overtly judge. Anyway, I think I'm going to talk about judgment on another episode. I do have an episode I did a while back on judgment. And if you are interested in that, certainly check that out. Um, but this is just an idea of an attachment to a resistance that some of you may have that will prevent you from doing things in your life that if you were to let go of the resistance, your life would change like overnight. And I know there's a lot more involved with anxiety and things like that, but I believe that once that happens, anxiety can disappear. So there's, there's depth there. There's therapy that might be there. There's coaching that you might need. But um, in the broad sense, that's the freedom of letting go of attachments. Because as soon as you have no attachments, you have no resistance. What would happen if you had no attachment to your own sense of self-worth? I don't care what people think of me. Hey, that feels pretty good. <laughs> That's something to think about. I'm not saying that everyone has to go around and just let go of all this stuff. But it's nice to be able to be free of what we're attached to because we find ourselves resisting what we don't want to be true. And if that resistance is gone, that's liberating. So anyway, I'm going to get back to more on how resistance is formed. Because like I said, we get attached to way too many things. Like when someone leaves us, we may not want or choose to let them go because we're so attached to the idea that they are the only path to our happiness. And without them, we'll live forever lonely, unloved, and unfulfilled. Imagine if you never got rid of that attachment. That's why so many people get unhappy after a breakup that happened a year ago because they haven't let go of the idea that there are other paths to happiness without the person they were with. Whatever you want or need is an attachment. And there's nothing wrong with having attachments. I'm not saying that they're bad. It only becomes a problem when the attachments create resistance in you when you don't have them in your life. Like if your car gets stolen, does it ruin your life? Is it something you talk about for the next 20 years as that day my car got stolen ruined my whole life? Or do you see the event as something that altered your life 
it needs to be dealt with so that you can move on. I mean, that's something to think about. What has changed in your life that you resisted and you haven't moved on from because you haven't accepted that change? When you let go of the attachment to that change, when you let go of the attachment of not wanting that change, the attachment to the resistance to that change, suddenly life feels better. And we're going to talk about how to let go of attachments and let go of this resistance shortly. Uh, if you've ever said, I don't like where I am today, or I don't like something about myself, or even I wish things were different, but you took no action to change those things, you're not on the path to enlightenment as I define it. And I don't want to leave you hanging, so let's talk about the path to enlightenment. Let's talk about how to become empowered and how to let go of these resistances, how to let go of our attachment to being resistant, which creates the pressure in our body. I mean, it toxifies your body, doesn't it? I mean, think about a past trauma or event that you went through that you didn't want to happen and you resist that it did happen because you have these feelings about it. And if you have any negative feelings about it, there's a resistance in there. When you think about these events, this is what I'm talking about. This is the attachment to the resistance to what happened instead of just seeing it as it is. And I'm not putting you down. If you have something serious that happened in your life, some traumatic or abusive event, and it's still affecting you today, it is absolutely valid and real. And you haven't found a path to healing yet. You haven't found a way to release it yet. I totally understand that. That is a real situation and even the most enlightened people in the world can still have emotional triggers that come up. I have emotional triggers that come up every now and then, and I got to deal with those. But this is all part of the journey. This is the path. In my opinion, there is no destination of enlightenment. Otherwise, you'd be dead. I mean, there'd be no more challenges. There'd be no more stress when you're not here to experience the world. All the success and the failure that it contains then you're always on the path to enlightenment. But I would rather be on the path to enlightenment than be enlightened because that means there's still life left to live and there's still things to look forward to. Imagine that. You're, you're there. You're completely enlightened. Nothing to look forward to now. <laughs> you're just there. Some people might think, that's great. That's where I want to be. I have so much stress in my life. I get it. But when you have something to look forward to and you have something to build yourself up toward, your life becomes more meaningful, more fulfilling, and you feel like you have purpose, you feel like you have value here. I want you to feel like you have value. So let's start on this path, or at least continue the path if you're already on it. One of the things I want to say about the path to enlightenment is if you've ever said to yourself or told a friend, I don't like where I am today, or I don't like something about myself, or even, I wish things were different. If you've ever said any of those things, but you took no action to change that about yourself, then you're not on the path to enlightenment, as I define it. Because the path to enlightenment involves a step in that direction. Not just a thought, not just a complaint, not just a tear that's shed for things that are the way they are. It involves a step, and that step could be something you read, something you do, something um, that changes your thought process, 
uh, some sort of personal growth experience, some sort of breakdown where you have a breakthrough, anything that leads to another step in the right direction. Remember, enlightenment is the journey. So taking a step along the journey is forward momentum. So how do you take a step along the journey? If you don't know what to do to start the path to enlightenment, then I like to use something that I'm just going to call the ham concept for now. Don't know if it's going to stick, but I'm going to use it. <laughs> ham, H-A-M. Honor, accept, and move on. Let me define this. Honor means to honor yourself. That means you protect yourself from undesirable people and situations. This is true compassion for you. It strengthens your self-worth, your self-esteem, and self-trust, all which reinforces that you will pull through for yourself. It's getting into alignment with your morals, values, and ethics. Honoring yourself is, I believe, one of the biggest steps toward enlightenment. Sometimes you can do that. Sometimes you can't. Sometimes you're with people that are impossible to get away from. But again, it's the journey, not the destination. So the journey is... How can I honor myself in some small way today, tomorrow? How can I do it? Instead of just thinking about it or complaining about it or worrying about it or any number of things that leave you stuck. The idea is to get out of that rut and take a step toward this. And every step you take can have a compound effect that allows you to take the next step just a little bit easier. So that's the first part of the uh, ham concept. The second part, accept, means that you come to a place of peace knowing that the person or situation that you're dealing with will never, ever change. When you accept that things or people will never change, then you have no other choice but to focus on yourself. Otherwise, you're choosing to suffer waiting for change. This is the idea that I hope someday he'll see the light or she'll see that she's hurting me or that this job will become better than it is, even though I've been working here for five years and it's never better. Or even though I've been in this relationship for 10 years and the trend has always been getting worse and worse and worse. But maybe someday they'll see that they're hurting me or that I'm in pain or that I'm suffering in some way. So I'm going to wait longer. Acceptance means that you accept that the person or the situation will never change. And when you come to that acceptance, you have no choice but to take a step forward toward enlightenment. The last one is move on. So we have honor, accept, and move on. Move on means you don't get enmeshed in your own drama. And what I mean by that is, you know, you complain about the things you've chosen not to change. So moving on happens when you honor yourself by doing or saying what you'd say regardless of the consequences and you accept that the people and your environment will never change. So moving on is that third step. You honor yourself, you accept things aren't going to change and then you move on from it. You don't sit there hoping, you don't sit there waiting. What it means is that if you want life to evolve, you have to evolve it. And you can't wait for it to happen on its own. It also means that if you truly believe you have no choice in the situation, that you'll always be stuck with this person, in this place, in this job, in this lifestyle, whatever it is, then acceptance may be your only option anyway. 
you can look at your life and go, huh, this will never change. I have to accept it. If you refuse to accept it and you resist it, guess where that goes? It goes back in your body. I'm resisting this change. I don't want it to be. I don't want it to be this way. I'm resisting. I'm resisting. That goes back in your body and it sits there and it creates an obstacle to your happiness and fulfillment. It just sits there as an obstacle. It cuts off the flow in your body. And when you have no energetic emotional flow going on, you can't access some of the great emotions that we have. All of them. You can't access all the good stuff inside because you're resisting what is. So to summarize what I just said, the road to enlightenment happens when you honor your own path, accept that change won't happen unless you change, and moving on without getting caught up in everything you could have or should have done differently. And besides the hand concept, I want to share with you something I talked about in a distant episode a long time ago. Uh, It was called The Problem with Resisting Your Problems. And I also talk about it in the Stop Anxiety Workbook. The four-step path to escaping problems, I called it back then. Right now, I'll probably just say the four-step path to start on the journey of enlightenment. The four steps are, if you can't accept the problem, then solve it. Okay, that's nice, but what if you can't solve it? If you can't solve the problem, adapt to it. Okay, what if I don't want to adapt or I can't adapt to it? If you can't adapt to the problem, walk away from it. And if you can't walk away from the problem, accept it. You can see how it loops back. And you can also see how I don't let you get out of the loop until you comply with one of these principles. You have to comply. If you don't comply, the resistance stays and the problem stays. This may be a hard concept for people, for some people to follow through with because it brings closure. And some people having that closure means now they have to do something different. Now they have to change their life in some way, which might mean a scary step in a direction they don't want to go because it's the great unknown. Or it's the feared known. And they believe they know what is on the other side, but it's almost always not true. It can be true. I've just not seen it in my own life. When I believe there's something very scary on the other side, but I take that step anyway, and I find out that all my fears were really unjustified, that reinforces in me that every time I think there's something scary on the other side, it's really just my own fear preventing me from doing anything. It's my fear of change. It's my fear of moving toward enlightenment by honoring myself, by accepting what is, by moving on. And then these four principles, if you can't accept the problem, solve it. Well, I can't solve it. Then adapt to it. Well, I can't adapt to it. Then walk away from it. Well, I can't walk away from it. Then accept it. That brings you right back to acceptance. And if you haven't guessed yet, yes, acceptance is one of the most powerful steps into enlightenment. It doesn't mean you stick around. Like, you accept that uh, so-and-so is an abusive person and he or she will never change, so I'm going to stick around because I accept it. No, because what's the first step to enlightenment in the ham concept? It's honor yourself. And honoring yourself means you must not be around toxic people or you must resolve the toxicity in the relationship. 
doesn't mean you have to leave every toxic person in your life. It just means you find a way to resolve it. And if you can't resolve it, if you really are seriously stuck, that's where acceptance comes in. And there are things that we don't want to accept. But what happens when you accept is that the resistance goes away. And when the resistance goes away, then your head clears up, the fog goes away. And when the fog goes away, you actually might think about steps out of the problem instead of being so locked inside the problem that you can't get out of the problem. You feel like you can't. But once that resistance is gone and the fog lifts, now you think differently. Now you have a different outlook because you're not so focused on what you're resisting. And the idea behind having a resistance inside of you is having something that hasn't reached closure. It's something that you have some sort of unfinished business inside of you. If you went through some sort of trauma, there's unfinished business in you that that trauma hasn't been resolved yet. So this doesn't necessarily get you healed from trauma, but it does help you start moving on so that the healing can begin. Because sometimes we get so stuck in our past trauma that we never move forward and we stay stuck for years and years and we wonder when life is going to work out for us. It does take some really sometimes scary steps that we need to uh, move into. But if you follow these, if you really follow these, the chances that empowerment will show up and even enlightenment will show up in your life are much greater. The path to enlightenment is reaching that closure inside of you so that you can feel peaceful with it. Or if you refuse to accept something or walk away from something or adapt to something, then you end up creating your own suffering. For example, my mom was with my stepfather for 40 years and he was an abusive alcoholic. He's definitely very toxic, not only to her, but to the entire family. If any one of us was around him, we felt it. We felt the resistance build in us. I don't want him to be that way. I want him to stop drinking. I want him to treat my mom right. I want my mom to leave him. All these resistances to what was. And I didn't want it to be true, and neither did any of my siblings. But she stayed with him. No matter what we said to her, she stayed with him. And the day I let go of my resistance of her staying with him and him being who he was, it was very freeing. I was able to talk to my mom in a, an entirely different way where she didn't feel my resistance to her choices. That really improved our relationship. We became best friends after that because I pretty much stopped telling her what to do. And I tell you what, when you do that with someone, they have no choice but to reach into themselves and figure out what they want to do for themselves in their life. Because the day I let my mom go and stopped resisting her decisions in life was the day she no longer had to focus on what I wanted for her. She had to focus on what she wanted for herself. Totally different experience. It really improved our relationship. I highly recommend it because it's just a lot of work if you don't. It was a lot of work for me to resist her relationship with him. But when I let it go, she could share anything with me. She could share all the bad stuff that he did, and I would just be a shoulder to cry on. And that was fine with me because I let it go. And like I said, that is a liberating feeling. And you show up differently when you do that. When you let someone go, 
and give them the choice to make choices for their life, to live with their choices that they made in their life, that frees you to show up more authentically, more caring, more supportive, even though you may have been supportive before, but in a way that's not in any way trying to control them. It also lets them take the reins of their own life instead of focusing on how they're going to defend themselves from your words, your actions. It's a totally different experience, a totally different relationship when you show up this way. So when we come back, I'm going to finish what we're talking about by giving you some solid practical steps that you can start taking. If you haven't got anything yet, stick around. I'm going to give you some very practical steps to follow. And soon you'll be on the path to bigger and brighter enlightenment. How's that for a claim? (laughs) Be right back. Welcome back. Let's talk about the practical steps to enlightenment. Everything has been practical, yes, but they've been, you know, bigger picture, a little ambiguous, a little like, how do I honor myself? How do I do this? How do I do that? Here's something that uh, I'm going to share with you so that you can start your path to enlightenment. Like I said, if you've already started on your path to enlightenment and everything's working out for you and the path is opening up before you, keep following that path. This is just my opinion, my viewpoint, and my ideas. If you like some of my ideas and they work for you, apply them and take other people's ideas and take other books that you've read and videos and even your own enlightening process that you've created and keep applying what works. Always do what works. So let me lay out the steps here. Step one is identify any of the negative emotions that you have inside of you. You know you can feel them. When you have negative emotions, you feel them. I feel them in my chest, in my stomach. I feel them all over. I typically don't feel them in my legs and arms, but it can happen, I guess. And that's an interesting process if you ever want to try that. Hey, I'm feeling anxious in my stomach. What happens if I move it to my toe? That's a neat little hypnotic process you can do if you want to try it sometime. Um, But step one is identify what those negative emotions are. Oh, I have some sadness here. I have some anger here. You know, just identify what what you feel. Step two is to find the attachments to those emotions. So let's just say it's sadness. Ask yourself, what is that sadness attached to? Now, I could word it differently and say, where did the sadness come from? But I want you to ask yourself that question. What is the sadness attached to? When I think about in the past, when I had this sadness, I might have answered that question. The sadness is attached to a feeling of being unloved, a feeling of being with an alcoholic for 20 years, a feeling of so on and so on. What are those negative emotions attached to? You may have one thing, you have several things. Just write those attachments down. Step three is to explore the emotions with some questions that are designed to loosen its grip on you a little bit. So what I mean is you explore the emotion with the question, why am I attached to that emotion? If it's sadness, why am I attached to that sadness? Why? I'm sure you'll have a lot of reasons, 
but, you know, what do you come up with? That was the first question in step three. Second question in step three is, why am I holding on to that emotion? That might have a similar answer as 3A. 3B, why am I holding on to that emotion? Why? Why are you holding on to that emotion? Just see what comes up. There's no right or wrong answer. Just listen to yourself and hear what comes up. The next question is, how does that emotion serve me? What is the benefit of having it? Now, the reason I ask that question is that the mind and the body holds on to whatever serves it. So when you think about your emotion, you'll probably discover a benefit for having it. And if you don't discover a benefit for having it, like, I hate this emotion, I never want this emotion, there's no benefit, I want you to think about what the benefit could be. If there was a benefit, what could it be? One small example is, let's just say that you have a husband and wife and the wife is depressed. And the wife doesn't like to be depressed. She hates being depressed, in fact. But her husband dotes on her, does all the dishes and does all the cooking. Even though she hates being depressed, she's getting this extra attention. That's called secondary gain. And that secondary gain is the benefit of feeling this negative emotion. So if there's a benefit to this feeling, what is it? See what you come up with. The next question is, how is this emotion a problem in my life? We thought about the benefit. Now, how is it a problem? How is it a problem in my life? The next question is, what needs to happen so that I can feel better? Now, this is a broad question. What needs to happen if anything could happen at all? What needs to happen so that this emotion disappears, so that I can feel better? This is kind of like the magic pill concept I talked about, I don't know, like a year and a half ago, where I shared that I was driving along one day and I felt this sadness come over me. And I was like, what's this sadness? Where, where did this come from? I had no idea what it was about. And so I thought of a process. Well, if I had a magic pill that I could make this sadness go away, what would that pill do? And immediately what came to mind was it would put me in bed so I could sleep. And I thought, really? <laughs> I mean, that's how I get rid of the sadness. And so I tried it on. I pretended that I was in bed sleeping and I checked in with the sadness and it wasn't there. And I go, that's strange. So getting more sleep helps the sadness to dissolve, to go away? And the answer was yes. So there was some issues around, you know, not getting enough sleep, feeling sad that um, I could have explored even further, but that was all it took to get out of the sadness. So even while I was, and I shouldn't do this while I was driving, but even while I was driving, thinking about this, and I took that proverbial virtual magic pill, the sadness disappeared just thinking about this question. What needs to happen so that I can feel better? Or the magic pill concept. If this magic pill can do anything, what would it do so that that emotion would go away? So the next question would be, what would I rather feel instead? What would I rather feel instead of this emotion? That should be pretty easy to answer, but maybe not. Some people have had this emotion or whatever's going on inside of them for a long time. And to think about any other way of feeling just never occurred to them. They just think it's always going to be there. So that's a good question. What would you rather feel instead? And the next question is, what am I missing by having this emotion in my life? 
You can also reword that. What, what am I missing by being attached to this emotion? What is happening in my life that I'm missing? Am I missing my kids growing up? Am I missing a loving relationship with my partner? Am I missing being happy with you know, my job? Am I missing the limited time I have left with my parents? You know, there's all these things that we could be missing. Just identify those. So that was uh, step three, all those questions. Step four is find someone safe. And if you don't know anyone safe, write a letter and express your fear, your pain, your shame, your guilt, your regret, your anger, your resentment. Get it all out. Write the letter as if you were writing to the person that made you feel this way. There's usually a person involved. Like, I am so angry with you. You write the letter or you express it to someone safe. And what that means is you don't tell the same story you've always told. You don't access the story that you know well. You access something deeper. You access the fears. You access the pain, the shame, the guilt. I mean, it's very hard to express guilt or shame. Well, maybe not guilt, but more, more shame for sure to someone else. Hum humiliation, embarrassment. All of these things that we don't like to talk about with other people, those are the deeper emotions that when they are expressed in some way, you help alleviate the resistance in the body. You help get it out. You get it out of you. I'm not saying it completely disappears, but it's the step toward empowerment and enlightenment. That's the first step. You, you start talking about it. You start expressing it so that it can be released. Otherwise, you hold on to it. It's like the social anxiety example I talked about earlier. You walk into a room full of people and you hold on to your attachment to your resistance to being judged and you never let it out, so you walk around with it all the time. And one of my techniques for getting over social anxiety is to find someone in the room that you probably are afraid to talk to or anxious about, uh, or anyone in the room really, whether you're anxious about them or not, and just tell them, hey, I'm feeling anxiety. When you, you can actually express this fear inside of you, it breaks the ice, it alleviates it just a little bit, just talking about it. It's like that uh, first date, you're both nervous and you finally go, you know what, I don't know why I'm so nervous, but I just am. I think I should be old enough to be able to handle a first date like this, so I feel kind of silly that I'm nervous. You're expressing the experience in the moment, which also relieves the other person because they're most likely experiencing the same thing. Oh, I'm so glad you said something. I'm feeling nervous too and I feel so silly. I'm, you know, I'm 48 years old and I should be able to get through a date without feeling so nervous. Oh, I, I just feel so much more comfortable now that we've talked about it. That's a great way to relieve anxiety for the person who becomes anxious. But that's the whole idea behind this uh, step four, which is to express your fear, pain, shame, guilt, and regret, resentment, and anger, and anything else that's in there so you get it out so it's no longer trapped, so it's on the table to be dealt with. It's a step into vulnerability, but it's also a step into enlightenment. And number five is to use the ham plan. Again, I don't know if that term's going to stick, <laughs> but it works. Honor yourself, accept that only you can change, no one else can, and move on by getting out of the self-imposed trap 
of complaining about what you can't accept. <laughs> That's the idea is you want to get out of this trap. And I hate to use the word complaining. I don't really mean complaining, but just just when you have things going on in your life, you might complain to yourself, like, I hate this. And you have a little self-talk. I hate that this is part of my life. I hate that this is going on. You want to get out of that trap of the negative self-talk or the complaining about what you can't accept. So you get out by honoring yourself, accepting that only you can change if you want change and um, no one else can, and then by moving on. So there are the five steps to start on the path of enlightenment. And when you start on the path, in my opinion, you're already enlightened. When you're on that path, when you take one step forward toward enlightenment, you are enlightened. Enlightenment is the journey, not the destination. That's where I believe is the best place to be, is continuing on the journey with all of these resources that we talked about today. Because just doing one thing, honoring yourself, standing up for what you know is right, not that you have to do it in every situation, but in a lot of situations. And when you let people know where the line is and you make it clear what you'll accept and what you won't accept, you honor your path, you are self-compassionate, you are self-loving. When you do all of that, that one thing can change everything. It can help you become accepting. It can help you move on. It's a huge step forward. Now, if you want the quick path to enlightenment, you want to skip all these steps? <laughs> Just think of your biggest fear and face it head on. For example, I used to fear being in debt. I used to fear being out of money. And then for fun, one day I asked God or the universe or whatever or whoever's out there listening that I wanted a mystical experience so that I could believe in something greater than which I could see. You know, because I, I felt that if I believed in something greater than me, that there was some mystical, magical, energetic force out there that was greater than me in so many ways that I might actually believe that there was a reason for everything. That even if I were in complete debt, even if I were homeless and broke, that there would be a purpose for that. And if there was a purpose, then maybe I could accept it and not have it affect me negatively. So I asked. <laughs> I said, I want a mystical experience. I'm ready for one. I just put it out there. Two days later, <laughs> my car broke down in the desert a thousand miles from home. I had no way to get home. I had um, no money. I had no money for a bus ticket. I think I had a gas card. Uh, but my car was broken down, so I couldn't even use the gas card. And I was stuck at this service station in Flagstaff, Arizona, not knowing what the hell I was going to do. And I tell you what, I had never felt anxiety like that before in my life. And I started having a panic attack that came out of the fear of the consequences of what was going to happen. I was so afraid. I was, I was married at the time. I was calling my wife saying, I don't know what to do. And she goes, just, you know, let me get some money and we'll get you a bus ticket. I was like, even if I had a bus ticket, my car is here and I've got all this equipment in my car. I had like $3,000 worth of tools and equipment in my car and I didn't know what to do. And I was freaking out knowing that I was not going to leave my car and all my possessions a thousand miles from home and take a bus home. It was just crazy. The idea was insane. I was not going to leave my stuff. So I tell this story on another episode, so I won't get into the details, but let's just say this. My panic 
reached an all-time high. I was literally panicking. I was sweating. My heart was beating. I thought I was having a heart attack because I knew there was no way out of this situation. I'm stuck. I can't let go of my stuff. I'm stuck. And then my panic got to an all-time high where it reached threshold. This was it. This was the height of panic. And when that happened, something switched in me. Something flipped open and let all the anxiety out. And in that moment, I can't explain how it happened, but a switch flipped. And suddenly the anxiety was gone because I had reached the height. I had let the anxiety get to the worst case scenario, knowing that I was going to lose all my possessions. When that happened, in that instance, I let it all go. I let all my attachments go. I let my car go. I let my, my stuff go. I ended up selling, actually, my car and my stuff in it for $200. That paid for my bus ticket home. And that ride home was the most spiritual ride of my life. The mystical experience that I asked for two days previous had unfolded. And in that moment, I was able to let go of all my attachments. And from that day on, I have been able to easily not be attached to stuff. And my journey wasn't over because within that year, I didn't get another job. And within a year, um, we were both homeless and broke. So I never even thought about this. But actually, right after my car broke down, I was able to let go of attachments. So I didn't have to be attached to anything. So it didn't bother me if I lost things, which was nice. And then a year later, I lost um, all my money in my savings account. My wife wasn't working. And we ended up homeless. We ended up living with her mom in a 600-square-foot apartment. And we went to the soup kitchen every morning. (laughs) So I went downhill from there, having asked for it, having wanted a mystical experience. And it happened. And it changed my life. And all the resistance that I had of being broke, of being in debt, had gone. It had prepared me for that time in my life so that I could get through with no stress. Because I tell you what, when we were broke and homeless, I had absolutely no stress. That should be the the time to have the stress. But I felt nothing. I felt so good, in fact. I didn't mind waking up at 6 a.m., going to a soup kitchen and getting getting our food, picking up a loaf of expired bread and expired foods that grocery stores and restaurants had donated. I didn't mind it. I didn't want to be there necessarily, but I wasn't resisting it. And because I wasn't resisting it, my head was clear and I was able to take forward steps into my empowerment, into my enlightenment, and eventually get work and eventually get out of that situation, all because I accepted what was. So if you ever ask for a mystical experience, don't be surprised if you get a big one. (laughs) If you really want change and you put out there, I'm ready for change, let's make this happen, give me your best shot. You'll probably get something so unexpected and you'll probably be so unprepared for it that it will create a massive shift in your life. It's pretty life-changing and it was well worth the trip for me. Thanks for listening. We'll be right back with my final words, and I'll close the show.
Thank you for listening to another episode of The Overwhelmed Brain. I want to thank RX Bar. Get 25% off your first order by visiting rxbar.com forward slash brain. Enter the promo code BRAIN at checkout to get the discount. You're going to love them. And I want to thank the patron members over at patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. They are supporters of this show, and they also get the bonus episodes and workbooks, and some people even take the email coaching option, which at this time is currently full. Sorry for those of you on the waiting list, but I do appreciate you reaching out. And if you want to be a part of the patron program and support the show, go to patron.theoverwhelmedbrain.com. And I appreciate you existing patron members. I hope you're getting value from the resources in the program. And I also want to thank you if you use the Amazon link at theoverwhelmedbrain.com. That's another way to support the show. If you're getting value from this show and you like to shop on Amazon, you can do it from my site. Not really. (laughs) I mean, you click the Amazon button, it takes you to Amazon, and then you can shop for anything you want. And Amazon sends us a few pennies on the dollar for every purchase you make. It's a great way to support the show, and it's also very passive. (laughs) You can just do it whenever you want. And no show would be complete if I didn't tell you about the Mean Workbook over at loveandabuse.com. The Mean Workbook is for you if you are in a relationship that is just too difficult. Relationships shouldn't be difficult. They should be easy. They should be sharing experiences and going through life together, holding hands, looking at the same sunset, not different horizons where you're on one path and your partner's on the other That's not fun, and if you're in a relationship that just seems too difficult, and you feel like you can't do anything right, and you could just never satisfy your partner, there's always this this dark cloud hanging over, you might be in an emotionally abusive relationship. I hope you're not, but if you have any thought that you might be, or you want to find out if you are, take the mean assessment test. Go to loveandabuse.com. And check out the Mean Workbook. It may be just what you need. It's not only an assessment, it's also a way to help you get through a difficult relationship. And it doesn't always mean breaking up. It could mean just having the right conversation and bringing out what needs to be said so that you can work on it. Loveandabuse.com And finally, I'd like to thank Kevin McLeod of Incompetech.com for some of the music transitions in The Overwhelmed Brain. And like I said at the beginning of the show, I'm going to read you the email that inspired this episode. It's from someone I'm going to call Bob. He said I could use his real name, but I don't know. I don't think that's a good idea. (laughs) So Bob wrote, thank you for being here. You've helped me in ways I can't explain. You're welcome, Bob. I am, however, having issues staying on the path of enlightenment. I was in a non-traditional relationship with someone, friends with benefits, and I fell hard for this woman. We realized I was on one level and she was not on the same level. We ended things, however, we have continued to stay in contact in little ways here and there. She does things that trigger me and, as I'm sure, trigger her as well. Recently, I've said or done things that I'm not proud of due due to being in a low place and feeling very emotionally triggered. I know I need to sever all contact with this person, but I'm having a hard time letting go and I find myself wanting to lash out at anyone that I come into contact with and even some that I don't, like her. I know that I'm I know that what I'm doing is toxic behavior. However, she is doing the same. It's very ugly and I feel like I'm spiraling out of control of my own feelings and emotions as well of, as well as my actions. I also need to add that she would do things in the relationship that led to me not being able to trust her. Even though she may not have been doing anything wrong, I still felt the loss of trust. Thank you for just being here. Sincerely, Bob. 
All right. Thank you so much for sharing that. Um, one of the things that you mentioned was, you know, having trouble staying on the path of enlightenment. And that's what this whole show is about. Probably doesn't get into your specifics, but it does get into what the path of enlightenment entails. So that's why I focused on that. I, I think that it's vital if you were to zoom out and look at all the problems in your life, staying on a path or getting on a path to enlightenment is a path of, of freedom to get away from, like I said, all these resistances, all these problems in our life. And the problem that you describe that happened to you, uh, first of all, anytime you're in a relationship that isn't really a romantic relationship that includes uh, an attachment, like we were talking about earlier, uh, where it's just a friend with benefits, it's so risky because one of you may fall for the other. And the other may not have those same feelings. So I've done my best to avoid any type of relationship like that only because it can turn into one friend wants more than the other friend situation. And it can be they continue being friends with benefits, uh, which is you know fine if it's consensual and all that. But when one person falls for the other person, now you've created a a bad situation and you can tell what happened as soon as you started falling for her you probably started becoming jealous you probably started uh, judging her behaviors in a way that you would if you were in a relationship instead of just a friendship as soon as the the tides turn and now you're having feelings this is where things can go sour in this kind of relationship so it, I don't necessarily advise this kind of relationship if you have a tendency to fall in love easily because this is what happens. You said that she didn't fall for you, but you fell for her and now you're being triggered and she's feeling triggered. And um, you didn't mention if she is now falling for you or not. It sounds like she isn't, which means you are trying to keep something alive that she doesn't want alive. You are trying to manifest a relationship with one person that doesn't want a relationship. And this is the vital component, isn't it? In order to make a relationship work, you have to have two people that are willing to go forward with it. But only one is. Which means you are now the person uh, pursuing someone who doesn't want it. And you are now creating your own suffering. And I think you know this. I think you know that you're going for something that you can't stop thinking about. You're trying to be with someone that doesn't want to be with you. And you know you're suffering because of it. I would highly recommend you listen to my shows on obsessiveness, feeling obsessed about your ex, uh, breaking up and grieving the breakup. Because one of the most important things that I've done, that I've learned in my relationships, and I've had quite a few that, that all broke up with me, which means they were mostly surprises. So these surprise breakups came into my life, and now I have to figure out how not to be depressed every time it happened. I learned that I had to grieve the breakup as if it were a death, as if they died. And if you still have any contact with this person, um, it might be best to sever it. Like you said, I think you're right. You need to sever contact. But you have no idea how important that is. Because as you continue any type of relationship with this person, as long as you have feelings, you'll never get out of the cycle that vicious, obsessive, I want you back cycle. 
you have to get out of the cycle and the only way to do it is to cut ties. I mean, I'm sure there's other ways, but this is the most effective way that I've learned how to uh, heal from a relationship ending is to cut all ties, is to not watch them on social media, is to pretend they're dead. Because when they're dead, I can say to myself, okay, I wake up tomorrow and I know she's dead. That's kind of morbid, but that's this is my practice. I know she's dead. There's nothing I can do. What am I going to do instead? Because I can't think, well, uh, maybe she's thinking about uh, starting a relationship with me. Maybe she's thinking about coming back. I can't think like that because she's dead in my mind. I'm creating this scenario. So if that's true, you know, this is the little visualization I do on my, my head. If that's true, if she's dead and she won't ever decide to come back, what do I do then? Well, Jesus, she's not going to come back. I'm going to be sad and lonely and I won't know what to do. And But that's good because now you're reaching that level in the ham concept of acceptance. I'm accepting that this person will never, ever change. You have to accept that she will never change. Now, when I say that, do I mean it 100%? Is that always true in every case? Of course not. But if you accept that someone else or the situation will never change, ever, that frees you up to do other things. It starts the healing process. It's like um, I was telling my girlfriend the other day. I said, I said, you know, when my wife said it was time to get a divorce, I talked to her. And I was like, what? A divorce? Are you sure? And she thought about it. And then she said, yes, I'm sure. And at that moment, I decided to accept her decision instead of resisting it. I hated it. I didn't want it to be true. I would have done anything in the world to change her mind. But I chose to accept her at her word. And when I did that, the very next day, I went to file for a divorce. The next day I contacted her and said, I've, I've got the divorce started. I got the paperwork started. And she goes, what? And I said, what? What do you mean? And she said, you already filed? And I was like, well, yeah. Uh, didn't you want that? And she said, well, yes, uh, but it's just so soon. It was like the day after. And I was like, of, of course, I, I took you for your word. Unless you're saying that you're thinking about changing your mind. You know, it was hard for me to say this. It was hard for me to step into that person that was going to be divorced. Something that I thought was going to last forever. But here she is. She wants the divorce. So the very next day I went and got the papers and started the process. And she was surprised. But then she goes, no, okay, uh, I guess, yeah, I guess that's it then. And I was like, yeah, I mean... Unless you're telling me you want to change your mind, I'm, I'm perfectly open and willing to talk about it. And she just kind of looked sad and said, well, no. And I was like, okay. And that was it. And that helped me start the healing process. It was sudden, but I, I knew, I accepted that she was never going to change her mind. This caused me to heal much faster than if I had drawn it out and hoped and prayed and wished and waited for her to change her thoughts or feelings or tried to convince her that I was a great guy and then she should come back to me. I just took all of that out of the equation, accepted that she would never change her mind and that allowed me to heal. Because what's the worst thing that could happen? The worst thing that could happen with that is that she changes her mind in a couple months 
and we get divorced and we start dating again. I mean, that's the worst case scenario. She changes her mind. And if I had still been game to getting back together after a couple months or six months or whatever, um, then we could still decide to reconnect. But it was very important for me, and I knew this at the time, that if I wanted to start healing fast and not get into some depression and not get into false hope and wallowing in my own pity, I needed to accept that she would never, ever change her mind and then even pretend that she died and that there was no way she would ever come back in that sense. Like I said, it's a little morbid, it's a little extreme, uh, but for me, that's how I'm able to reach closure a lot faster. So that's really all I have for you, Bob. If that helps you, great. If it doesn't, I want you to listen to the episodes I've done on obsession and um, breaking up and leaving the X. You can go to theoverwhelmedbrain.com and look for those things in the search engine and you'll find them. And I want to thank you, Bob, for inspiring this episode. I appreciate you. I hope things are going better for you. And if they're not, Bob and everyone that's listening, no matter where you are, just keep an open mind. That'll help you step into your power and be firm in your decisions and actions so that you can create the life you want. Always take steps to grow and evolve. You are powerful beyond measure. And above all, and this is something I absolutely know to be true about you, you are amazing. Amazing.